The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. So we've got a banner about racism in Boston. We've got the fact that feminism apparently means cuckoldry. This week in McDonald's. And all your bases are belong to us. Give it up. Tesla controls the cars. All that and more on the greatest real estate move Trump ever pulled off while he's president, mind you, on Flippin' Out Radio. Heavens not, heavens, heavens not. Am I to say fuck off? <laughs> all edited. Yeah, hey, uh, fuck off. You got a lot of growing up to do, buddy. Suck my balls. Scream out, you know what it is. I ain't know what it was, so I just ran. Catch me outside, how about that? Uh, I think the fuck not, you trick-ass bitch. Jose Canseco just snitching because he's being-ish. Perfectly legal. I hate flipping out radio. So this Boston banner, heavens now, heavens, welcome into Garden City Radio. This, this banner that unfurled at Fenway Park in Boston, it's hilarious to me. Because immediately after it happened, I get a text from my buddy, right? Big Yankee fan. Stay classy, Boston. Stay classy. All this stuff about how, you know, he totally bought hook, line, and sinker. This notion that it's this this banner that says um, racism is as American as baseball. And <clears throat> immediately when I saw the picture of it and knew what was going on, I said, oh, this is some leftist, some anti-American individual that wants to say the country is racist. And wants to say that this banner is a statement about how bad the country is. So he's like, oh, yeah, 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 you know it all, you know it all, this kind of stuff. But I said, no. Of course they want it to be viewed in Boston, which is a city that's seen as being racist. Which is a city that's got a reputation, especially within the Red Sox fan hood, of being hard on players of color. And and let's be real about the history they were definitely one of the last teams to integrate it was noticeable so right away i knew that banner was was something along the lines of somebody who wanted to make some statement about how much this country sucks and all this kind of stuff so wouldn't you know it masslive.com says the red sox released a statement later in the night read as follows during the fourth inning of tonight's game four fans unfurled a banner over the left field wall Blah, blah, blah. Violation of the close policy. Blah, blah, blah. Individuals were escorted out of Fenway Park. So it goes on to say one of the four individuals involved told Red Sox security they were inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. Bingo. Shocker. Oh, I'm so shocked. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, So this was a story that, (coughs) frankly, you know, I don't know. You, you, you kind of hope that... You, you hope at some point that some of these things aren't real. Uh, this guy, Michael Sonmore, wrote a piece. And apparently it's an older piece. It's from 2015. So I'm just seeing it for the first time. What open marriage taught one man about feminism. So this is what... I mean, honestly. And, you know, even if it's not real, even if this isn't a real story, it so perfectly encapsulates the thing I hate the most 
about leftists, modern leftists, and the way they go about certain issues. They take everything to the extreme. Everything to the extreme, because if they're not in their mind, they're not doing everything they can to like advance the human condition. And, you know, on one level, you want to say it's noble, but on the other, it's really rather lazy because it doesn't actually involve any sort of like thinking. It's just like, well, this is what I feel. This is how I feel. This is what it is. And of course, it's, you know, all ironic because they accuse the other side of doing the same thing in a different way. But so this guy's title, Michael Sonmore, says, or Sonmore, I don't know, what open marriage taught one man about feminism. So he says, as I write this, my children are asleep in their room. Loretta Lynn is on, okay, Loretta, I was going to say, Loretta Lynn is on the stereo and my wife is out on a date with a man named Paulo. Paulo. It's her second date this week, her fourth this month so far. If it goes like others, she'll come home in the middle of the night, crawl into bed beside me, and tell me about how she and Paulo had sex. I won't explode with anger or seethe with with resentment. I'll tell her it's a hot story and I'm glad she had fun. It's hot because she's excited, and I'm glad because I'm a feminist. And, you know, <laughs> immediately it makes me think of, and this is, you know, really honestly neither here nor there, but when I was in high school, my friend Brad... Whenever this one kid used to walk down the hallway, he never really talked to anybody and really kind of kept to himself and was very brooding and all this kind of thing. But he was a brilliant artist, this kid. So my friend Brad would always say, oh, it's okay because he's an artist. He's an artist. So I guess, you know, obviously in this situation, um, it's okay that that his wife goes and sleeps with Paulo because he's a feminist. And, you know, look... (coughs) If you're in an open marriage, and if that's what you do, if that's what you guys in your adult decision-making minds want for each other, all, all the power, you know, more love. I couldn't honestly care less. Whatever you want to do is your life. But to try and adhere that to the notion of feminism is just really odd because what it's really actually doing is more so like putting on the you know a woman in this case um male characteristics like like making her out to be someone that's going to go out there and like slay a kill to a certain extent from some sort of a sexual conquest thing <clears throat> especially if she's coming back and telling him the story and like rubbing his face in it and all that kind of thing. It it comes off as very kind of anti-man. It comes off as very kind of, um, you know, chauvinistic. And that's what's, that's what's so ironic about it is that I think a lot of the times this whole extreme no- notion of being left of center is not only do we feel a certain way, but certain people have to pay for the way things have been. That's kind of the way it goes. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. 
So Tesla, I saw this story. Down in Florida, there's a lot of people, I guess, who have Tesla cars. And Florida Tesla owners, several of them, some, remotely were upgraded. Their gas mileage capacity was remotely upgraded in an effort to ease and assist with Hurricane Irma evacuation efforts. And as this article from Jalopnik says, the move was praiseworthy and appropriate, but at the root of the gesture lies a terrifying prospect of our automotive future. Damn right it does. I mean, that's not... Look, that's not even the half of it, to be honest with you. The fact that now we're at this point where you buy something as basic and as simple as a car, and it's something that gets you to and from point A to point B. Back in the day, we used to use horses to do it. So you have a car, right? Spend your money on it. Pretty expensive for the most part. Maybe you finance it, whatever it may be. Now the company has this remote access over the performance of your car. They want to make it better. They want to make it worse. They want to do this. Now, look, they would never admit, obviously, that they could, you know, make it worse so that they would. And as this headline here says, it's a good thing that Tesla could do something like that in a disaster situation because, you know, inevitably you want to be able to get to and from on less gas with there being a gas shortage and stuff like that. But, I mean, look, maybe I'm alone on this one. It's very unsettling to me that there's a situation like this where a company is controlling then really anybody, really that any sort of like authority is controlling something like that from a distance is unsettling. And of course, we're only getting closer and closer to that with the driverless cars and all that kind of stuff. I mean, look, not that I'm biased and that like my business is going to completely get cannibalized by the notion of a driverless car, but I digress. I digress. Uh, but no, the, the the whole situation with them being able to change the car from a distance, that's pretty crazy. So this week in McDonald's is a crazy rant that this worker went on about, um, you know, oh, hateful rant, a hateful rant from, okay, the Daily News says McDonald's employee fired after going on hateful rant. So, it looks like the employee's a a black woman, and she says, can you spell deportation? She says, can you spell deportation to to the customer? And, I don't know, it's just, it's interesting to me that that's become... Like this notion of uh, a major. I find it. I find that I struggle with the notion that enforcing the deportation as a crime, or rather illegal immigration as a crime, is like a bad thing. And news broke tonight that. President Trump has signed uh, an agreement or come to an agreement to protect uh, the dreamers within the the framework of the country. You know, children that came here illegally, but, you know, as very young children, basically. So, 
no, they're not citizens of the United States, but they basically know nowhere else. They only know the United States. So my thing is always this. You know, it goes back to really Ronald Reagan, where he put, you know, amnesty on the table, and they they had all this amnesty for, for many different uh, illegal immigrants at the time. It never stops. It never, like, has a point where you kind of say, okay, now we can move on and get to get to plugging the dam, so to speak, because there's no controlling of where it actually all starts, which is the illegal immigration at the border, which is the, you know, business, frankly, that exists of getting people from point A to point B, Central America, Mexico, and into the United States. So I don't really, uh, it, it's like there's this, this drug war this 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 crime ring that no one ever wants to talk about because what's involved are humans but then at the same time when you know those 100 people or whatever it was in the um near San Antonio and not not all of them died but when you know 20 some odd people died you know, trying to, to come into the country in a tractor trailer that didn't have air conditioning or the air conditioning broke. And these people basically, you know, like roasted to that. I mean, like they, they died of heat exhaustion, heat, heat exposure, dehydration. Um, you know, then people are appalled that this happens. But that's what this is all about. You know, it's not all just, oh, we should be willing to let people into this country and stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. And there should be a legal process and, and a order by which that is done. And we can hem and haw over what that should be and, and what countries or what people should get priority or what, you know, how that happens and whatever. But this notion that there's like, oh, you know, hands off, guys. Hey, look, we're talking about people here, okay? I mean, these are kids. I mean, these are, okay, these are families. And this is America. It's like, okay, I get it. I understand that. And I love the country, too. And I want people to be here and, and to enjoy it. But when can we have a real conversation about what goes into it? So here I am, you know, waxing, of course, political after we played this rant of, uh, McDonald's employee who got fired. But it's more just like, you know, why can you spell deportation? Okay. That's racist? I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, you could be Polish and be deported. You could be Japanese and be deported. You could be Russian, you know? Irish, English, and, you know, you name it, obviously. Anything other than the United States. Anything other than American, as they say. Uh, you can be deported. So how is that racist? That's just, you know, and again, this headline, oh, McDonald's employee fired for racist remark. And I get it. I get it. I'm not trying to be super difficult. I understand. But <laughs> I just don't know how we got to this point where you look at this whole issue, which is a legitimate one that needs to be dealt with. Wall, serious security at the border, combination of the two, whatever it may be. And 
instead it's one of those ones that we've kind of allowed it's it's not even the typical like racist uh, that that they try to use that one with regards to oh you don't like brown people or whatever they say, but uh, it's it's fallen into this like weird quasi humanitarian thing. And again, I always try to say it's not humanitarian to forget the people that do try to come here legitimately or are coming here legitimately or have. And again, you saw we talked about it on the show previously the effect that you know, enforcing legal immigration more, the effect it's had on construction wages in Texas. It it drove them up. So, anyway. Uh, All right, so yeah, Donald Trump. The amazing thing is the extent to which this guy has rent inside people's head. You know that phrase, that, that term, oh, I've got rent inside your head? People are so obsessed. People are so so obsessed with this guy. Every single so-called famous person is obsessed with him. I mean, whoever thought all these years later, the great you know how to make a deal, <clears throat> art of the deal. Uh, what's the the show? You're fired, Apprentice. All these years later. He'd own the most real estate inside all these people's heads. The amount of time these people spend obsessing over him is really pathetic. Jamel Hill, very, very successful in her own right. Absolutely beyond successful broadcaster. She's on ESPN. She's got the show at 6 o'clock. I remember when she used to just write for ESPN.com, and maybe she was on TV as well. I don't remember, but I remember her as a writer, and she was a good writer, and I liked her. She, you know, frankly, must have <clears throat> silenced herself somewhat with regards to the rhetoric that she puts out there on a daily basis now. But for her to go on Twitter and, you know, go on and on about, oh, the president's a white supremacist and all this, like, honestly, she must not know that many white supremacists. And that's great, but I feel bad. Anyway, we'll get to Jamel Hill because I have some thoughts on her later. But, like, Alec Baldwin, you know, I saw, okay, so the station that I work at, I work in the news now, and I have to get, uh, when I work the day shift, I watch the NBC News because we can get sound from them. Like any kind of police they talk to, any kind of, you know, witness that saw an accident or something like that, we can get that sound and use it for the radio. So I'm listening to it on on Channel 4. And uh, on on the Channel 4 before the news comes on is always, at whatever time of day it is, sometime in the afternoon... Ellen, okay, the Ellen show, uh, Ellen DeGeneres. So Alec Baldwin's on there with some fake book, some, like, fake Trump book. And it's him and that stupid Saturday Night Live Trump thing. And he's on the cover of a book. And, I I mean, again, I'm not listening with the sound at this point, but I just see his stupid mouth and head bouncing up and down, looking like a Canadian from uh, South Park. And he's got this stupid fake book in front of him. And I'm just like, you know, who are these people that have this much time to worry about Donald Trump? It's almost like they're all in on it, right? I mean, it's almost like they're all just kind of like, like Donald Trump 10 years ago was like, look, I got to do something about the political thing. 
will take care of certain liberal things that I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm pretty liberal, so, like, we can get down with that. But there's certain things that I have to do, too, because I'm all about this business and, like, this, that, the other. So you guys just spend all this time, you know, hemming and hawing about how I'm so awful and the media won't be able to do anything but fawn over and agree with you because you're famous and celebrities. So, you know, in the meantime, I'll be able to do some real stuff. But... And no sound, mind you, with this Ellen DeGeneres show, but there's something so... Okay, so the amount of grown-ass women that start acting like little girls at talk shows, like Ellen, it's like there's something about it that's so, so unsettling to me. Like, the the, the way they scream and, like, hug each other when, like, they give away, like, little prizes and stuff. I don't know. Do, do they tell them to do that? It's almost like, do they get these women, like... Are they drunk before they go in? Or, like, they're handing out Coke or something like that? And, by the way, going back to the Trump thing, this random sampling off my Facebook. Just such a such a perfect... Such a perfect example. So... Uh, this one guy shared... Oh, uh, God. Hold on. This one guy shared on his Facebook about how HBO producer David Simon... Who, by the way, I love The Wire. I mean, The Wire is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And this show, The Deuce, that's coming up on HBO, I think looks pretty good. Some other people, eh, they, they, they're not big fans. I, or whatever, they're, they're not necessarily giving it as much of a chance. I think The Deuce uh, looks like it could be good. It's a, it looks like it's a show like about, you know, like greasy 70s New York City prostitution. And I kind of like anything period piece New York for the most part so I'm going to give it a chance but uh, HBO producer David Simon told The Guardian that the election of Trump taught him there's a large segment of voters who can't be trusted to govern themselves it said to me 25 to 30 percent of our population is foolish and untrustworthy and incapable of self-governance Simon said um, so it got me thinking like this guy David Simon right very good at what he does he was a news reporter in Baltimore for uh, years, you know, um, knows the business very, very well. And, you know, from what I can tell, uh, it's affected his ability to do TV and write screenplays for TV very positively. You know, he gets a lot of the the nitty-gritty of stuff in The Wire. Um, It seems to me like, you know, very, very closely to what it really is and uh, the cops speak the urban speak you know the different ways that the two interact and stuff like that um but like what does he know though about like being i don't know uh, a small business owner in ohio for example i mean honestly i really doubt much and, and and if there's something david simon does know about being a small business owner in ohio i sincerely apologize but, um, you know, who is he to say that these people are untrustworthy, incapable of self-governance, foolish? Says who? And based off what? It's a shame, too, because like I said, I love The Wire, and I'm going to give The Deuce a chance. Although maybe not now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and then this woman, she said, oh, yesterday I received an email from an old friend who was writing to apologize for deleting me from his Facebook page. I didn't even realize that he had deleted me. And for what? Oh, because I was happy that President Trump had won. People really go nuts over politics, huh? As a result, I did... Or as I recall, she says, I did not gloat or point my fists at anyone when President Trump took office. In fact, 
I was the opposite. And why must we all think alike? Don't I have the right to cross the aisle if I want to? If you're an old friend, you should know me better than that. And most of you who are still on my page do. And, you know, of course, uh, maybe she got some likes on that post. Because, again, like, I, I think there's still some people out there, especially with regards to the race stuff, that just want to get over it. Uh, the Blaze had an article, Trump creates fear in children and is bringing them to tears. National Teachers Union head declares. I mean, we pay taxes for this horseshit. Isn't that amazing? Think about how pathetic these educators are. They're more like wet nurses, uh, complicit in, in all our issues. And not all of them, okay? Not all teachers, of course. Okay, we have to say that. It's like we have to say, um, not all white people, okay? Not all white people. But, um, yeah. It, little snowflakes continue to be upset uh, uh, and set up for failure by schools. That could be a different headline for that fucking story. Uh, let's see. Oh, so Kathy Griffin, she pulled a sorry, not sorry. And some of this stuff is old. I realize that. I'm cleaning up the past like month or so that I haven't done a podcast. But appearing on Sunrise this morning, comedian Kathy Griffin says she's not sorry for Trump head stunt. Um, who gives a shit? I mean, could anybody be any more desperate for attention. That's what's really off-putting about Kathy Griffin is she was like, hey guys, remember the time that I did that thing where I cut Trump's head off, but not really. And it was like fake and, and really crazy and gross. And I was like, wasn't that crazy when I did that? Hey guys, I mean, I'm on the D list. I get it. I realize that I'm on the D list, but I, I cut off Trump's head, sort of. Right, guys? I mean, I'm not sorry anymore. I'm not sorry. Oh, God. That's like, it really made my stomach turn when I even saw that headline. I, and I turned on the audio for a little bit. I couldn't even handle it. I couldn't listen to it. Couldn't do it. Um, yeah, so, so this goes back a while, but Trump mixed up two blonde reporters at a press conference. They were both from some Eastern European country. And he was with, uh, I, see, I can't remember now. Was it? Slovakia or like you know Latvia I don't know he was at, he was at a press conference and these two blonde women were were both reporters there so the president of the country that Trump was conducting this pro uh you know co press conference with asked a reporter or called on a reporter for a question answered the question and then called on another reporter to answer the question and Trump was like, oh, oh, you're going to let the same one ask another question? And and they were all like, oh, no, no, ha, ha, ha. We are two different uh, reporters, okay? You know, like, and then like boasting to each other and stuff. And then Trump kind of realized his mistake, chuckled, and, it, you know, everybody moved on. But could you imagine? Oh, God. I wish so bad. I really do. Because at this point, who gives a shit, right? I wish so badly that it had been two black reporters because the backlash would have been delicious. It would have been, all, oh, so they all look alike, huh? Oh, so you're saying all black women look alike? Oh, I see. But with two white reporters, it's just like a funny instance. It was just like something that, you know, oh, yeah, dumbass, it's two different women, you know? He's not paying attention. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. But isn't that odd how that happens? Like, oh, so they all look alike, huh? Oh, instead this is just, oh, okay. All right, let's move on to a little sports. Move on to a little sports here on Flipping Out Radio. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at 
Jama Drop. That's J A M A D R O P. And we're on Facebook, Flippin' Out Radio, produced by Flippin' Out Radio and produced by Radio Misfits. We're on Radio Misfits. Thank you to Ed Silla and thank you to all of our listeners. I'm so sorry that the show is so rare now. It really sucks. I mean, I used to do a show every week and I want to get back to that. I would love to do a show like even more common than that, but, um, you know, it's just hard because I, I, all the stuff I do now with the with the various radio things, it's all you know mostly on air and writing and trying to be like you know productive from that perspective. So it's all the things that I do for the podcast, and I'm bitching now, and I get that, and I'm sorry that I'm bitching, but I just it's so much harder for me to motivate myself to do it. It's not that I don't enjoy doing it, but I don't have the team I used to. Oh, I want to I want to break out the little tiny violin for myself. It's I'm such a bitch. So anyway, a little sports here. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns wrote a post for uh, the Players' Tribune, Derek Jeter's thing. And the whole uh, gist of it is there's more of us than them. There's more of us than them. And he's talking about, you know, the Charlottesville um, white nationalists and how, like, you know... And, of course, he's right. He's absolutely right. There, there are more of us than them. I mean, we, we uh, live in a post... I always try to say it this way. A post-cartoonish racism society like basically at this point of course there's racism and of course there's people who are prejudiced and there is a key distinction there you know racism is when the clutches of power keep people from uh, a chance at opportunity because of race so you're an employer at Walmart for example and you're not going to hire somebody because they're they're black or Latino or Asian, and you're a white, uh, you know, whatever. You're, you're racist somehow. That that's that's being racist. Uh, or as an elected official, you're you're diverting resources from one neighborhood that happens to be predominantly black, and you know, putting them with this other neighborhood that's more uh, Caucasian. That would be racist as a politician. Um, but for the most part, people confuse the term with things that are prejudiced or perhaps bigoted, if you want to use that term, or um, people that are stereotyping certain things. And, and not all stereotyping is bad, I have to say. Not all stereotyping is bad. But for Carl Anthony Towns, he writes this post, right? More of us than them. And I, I think to myself, exactly. Uh, we know. We, we agree. We agree more of us than them. So shut up already. Let's move on. Let's move on. And speaking of that, this is not sports-related, but race-related. Um, the actor Jason Mitchell, he erupted on a Delta flight. He, he went absolutely bonkers on a plane about he's being persecuted and, oh, are you racist? Are you a racist? And it was something about, like, he... He couldn't get... Uh, see, you, I'm going to have to open this link now. Because it was so petty, whatever it was that he was, like, freaking out about this guy, um, that it's it's really embarrassing. And he said he was going to, like, smack the fuck out of people and all this stuff. Um, Jason Mitchell... He, oh, he wanted to be in first class. Right? And this was a guy who was in Kong Skull Island. He was also in the movie Detroit and Straight Outta Compton. So... There was some passenger who got yelled at. Uh, and Mitchell yelled to him, Am I talking to you? If 
Fucking racist. Fucking racist. I'll bat the fuck out of you. Oh, fucking racist. So again, why does this guy have to be a fucking racist? For, I mean, for what reason? And what, what did he do that was racist? And again, I would just like to say that I am shocked that this guy, Jason Mitchell, was in the Compton movie. Shocked. Teasing will no longer be tolerated. You mean there's no teasing of any kind? No, 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 no. Just things that are on the list. That is the beauty of it. Okay, who else? Who else? Everybody get their chance. I don't want people making fun of my weight. Okay, that's too broad. It's got to be something else. How about your stomach? And this ESPN Robert E. Lee thing. Oh, okay. So they moved this guy off of a Virginia game, UVA, um, because his name's Robert E. Lee, and supposedly so close to the Charlottesville thing, and just in the middle of the whole Confederate uh, controversy, which the media created, by the way, and ESPN is complicit in that as much as anybody. Um, they wanted to move Robert E. Lee to a different game, and they did, somewhere up in like the Massachusetts area or something like that. And ESPN, of course, it, it, it generated a huge controversy. The internet went crazy. It, it, it seemed too good to be... Too good to be true is, is the wrong way to put it, because it's not like a funny story or fun story. It's just pathetic. It is kind of funny. Um, and it is kind of fun. But Robert E. Lee, they said, oh, well, he wanted to be with his family. So we offered him this opportunity. You know, would you want to try to avoid being any, caught up in any kind of thing with the whole Robert E. Lee thing? And you go, go be with your family and you can do the game up there anyway and it'll be just fine. And then uh, historic, you know, two historic hurricanes came. Hopefully just to this third one with Jose. I know nothing about it. But, uh, oh, well, he wanted to be with his family. So these two historic hurricanes and the whole thing has really died down. But I'm sorry. How how pathetic was that? How pathetic was that? When you couldn't be... I mean, we're talking about Robert E. Lee, the, the, the chief of the... Or the chief, the, the, the main general of the Northern Virginia... Army of Northern Virginia. The, the chief commander... The commander-in-chief of the... Uh, you know, Confederate Army during the Civil War in the 1800s. And in 2017, this guy, who's Asian, by the way, that's why his last name's Lee, his name is Robert, and I guess whatever his middle name is happens to be E. So he's not going to do a football game. Really? I mean, it's it's like people were like, oh, this has to be in the, in the uh, onion. But it wasn't. It was real. And I'm telling you, it just, it sucks, really. It sucks a lot because you want to have a place to go for for sports news, right? Like ESPN provided at one time sports news. And yeah, there was personalities involved and, you know, somehow the fact that like Keith Olbermann spun out of there, I think only empowered them more to be the way they are. But ABC's involved and all this kind of stuff, of course. So it's just it's really it's unfortunate because some of us just want sports but speaking of uh the hurricanes by the way televangelists like joel osteen are just the absolute worst and he caught a lot of shit because during the houston flooding and all the issues that happened with hurricane harvey he has a huge huge church that's basically like an arena in uh in houston there and he closed it down during all the storming and people said oh okay it must be flooded you know there's a lot of issues whatever 
But then some other people went and checked it out, and there wasn't any flooding around it. It was at a point, I guess, where there wasn't you know an issue with that. It was wet outside because it had been raining. But, uh, you know, there's just something really unsettling to me about televangelism. And frankly, and this is as somebody who, you know, I'm not like an open or, or loud Christian or anything like that, but I consider myself a Christian. But I, and, and, and you know, I understand supposedly being evangelical is kind of part of being a Christian, but I've always felt very uncomfortable with it because it's kind of like, to me, it's very personal. And if somebody really wants to seek me out and talk about it, I'd be more than happy to, more than happy to. But I don't know that you really put it in somebody's face and, and, and kind of forcibly so, maybe mention it, I don't know. But... I got I got a shave. I just had a little little beard hair in my mouth. It was terrible. Mustache hair. Um Yeah, but Jamil Jamel Hill. Uh we talked about her a little bit before, but I feel bad. I feel bad for her. All of her success. And she's still so convinced that race is important. That's really what I say. And uh Milo Yiannopoulos on his Facebook page shared this story that a a stunt woman in Deadpool 2 died on set, uh, a black stunt woman. And, you know, her fellow stunt people said really after the fact she wasn't ready and, and wasn't trained and wasn't in a good position to do this stunt, but they wanted to have a black female stunt woman on this, uh, on this movie. Or, you know, that they wanted that to be part of their thing. Like, that they had crisscrossed the barrier by, by doing this. And it's like, okay, you know, and, and that's, that's a very kind of in your face, direct, no question about it example. But what's even sicker about it is that there's a whole aspect of affirmative action when it comes to like advanced education and university education, where there's people who are thrust into learning environments that are very different from the structure and type of learning that they experienced where they came from in, let's say, high school, thrust into these university settings, don't have a, a strong guidance system or guidance counselor system or peer, whatever you want to you know say, or whatever should be established. It doesn't exist or, or, or doesn't exist to the extent that it should. And people who go to higher education solely through or largely due to affirmative action programs and, and quotas and that type of thing, in addition to their grades, um, are left in the dust. And, you know, and this notion of diversity just for the sake of it, that's what happened with the whole Google thing, by the way. The whole uh, manifesto that the guy who used to work for Google wrote basically said, look, there's no reason to try and force things along certain guidelines. It's because of the way things largely are that the universe has any sort of like order and function to it and things kind of fall into place and people do their job. But 
there's always going to be people who are outliers from that. There's always going to be people who don't want to, you know, who don't want to live this type of way and they want to do this and they want to get that kind of job and they don't want to work. They want to travel all the time and they'll get little jobs at a coffee shop or whatever it may be. They'll, you know, work on a farm for six months and go somewhere else. So, you know, it, it's just frustrating to me, though, that people want to force things square peg into a round hole just because uh, once upon a time certain things weren't possible. So back to sports. I guess that was kind of sports, being a stunt woman. But Jim Brown uh, really kind of shut down the Cleveland Browns. They did this whole, like, oh, we're going to en masse not sit down for or, or not stand up for the uh, national anthem. And Jim Brown came out after the fact and was like, look, I was an activist. I was a guy who stood up for civil rights. I would never disrespect the flag. It makes absolutely no sense. It's divisive. It's bad. It's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then this past week, opening week for the Browns, they lost to the Steelers. What else is no? But they did kind of have like a, a, a montage on the Jumbotron or something like that. And I think they held up hands with the cops at the center of the field and stuff like that so you know again for for something like that to come out of it that's awesome and frankly i didn't even know if that was going to happen because here i was thinking like oh boy uh what's his name jim brown is going to get just absolutely vilified now but it doesn't seem to have happened and it's good because he's a guy that frankly should be able to say something and get that kind of respect apparently bill cosby didn't have that one upon a time once upon a time and with recent events uh, that maybe that's maybe that's for the best that that was the way it was anyway um some random observations before we get out of here for the night the british broadcasting corporation bbc i i best i can tell this is actually a real thing they maintain writing in pigeon so pigeon i'm gonna look up exactly what pigeon is and i i don't know for sure that i'm pronouncing it right but pigeon is a grammatically simplified form of language used for communication between people not sharing a common language pigeons have a limited vocabulary some elements of which are taken from local language and are not native languages but arise out of language contact between speakers of other languages pigeon so bbc maintains a page where they write stuff in pigeon and I mean, it. I. I don't. I don't really know what else to say. But when you read this stuff, it. It. It sounds exactly like a. Like a Caribbean, like a person speaking like a like a Creole, a Creole, if you will. So anyway, this is. <laughs> I'm sorry. It makes me laugh. I guess. I guess. It, obviously, it's not supposed to. But, um, why dem they call hurricane human being name? The biggest storm way United States of America never see for 13 years done land for Texas. These Hurricane Harvey don't scatter plenty houses and tourists say even don't kill five people. Hurricane Matthew way been happened for 2016 kill people plenty and scatter house during when we happened. Harvey and Matthew are not human being name, so how hurricane they get the name safe? In short, in short why them they give hurricane name at all? Why them they name hurricane? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> Hurricane not type of storm way play get plenty plenty rain plus strong wind. This is basically Jar Jar Banks. I'm talking like Jar Jar Banks when I'm reading from a pigeon website. This is the BBC. They they pr- 
promote, they publish this stuff. Sometimes Seth Thunder go follow join. Meteorologist Way Day research whether matter thinks some of them hurricane give her hurricane name. Okay, I'm just fucking it up now. Also, it's not funny anymore because I fucked it up. But it's oh god. Okay. Um, so there was this story here. Uh, fear of deportation drives people off food stamps in U.S. This was an AP story from early June. A crackdown, a crackdown on illegal immigration under President Donald Trump has driven some poor people to take a drastic step, opt out of federal food assistance because they are fe- fearful of deportation. But so how the hell are they so eating if they're illegal? Oh, an AP. I love, I really, really love how AP editorializes here. Uh, people who are not legal residents of the U.S. are not eligible to take part in what is formally known as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP. But many poor families include a mix of non-legal residents and legal ones, such as children of citizenship because they were born in the U.S. In those cases, it is often an adult who is not legal or not a legal resident who submits the application. Well, you know what? This is the whole thing we get back around to with my original point. It's not, and we talked about the immigration already on this show, it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about having a structure so that people can enjoy the society that's been built here. And in a perfect world, in an absolute heaven, in a paradise on Earth, everybody can enjoy frankly, even better than what we have here in the United States. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And the reason people want to come here is because we maintain what is a a pretty good place to live here in the United States. So to protect that and to keep that going, because here's the thing, if those parents are illegal, right, then they're not paying into welfare or food stamps. And how are they going to? Getting a job? And then what are they paying? Oh, income tax. Okay. Well, how? If they're being paid in cash, as an illegal, oh, they have a fake social security number then or something like that. So then how is it even being enforced if they owe taxes at the end of the year, for example? Oh, well, they don't owe any taxes anyway because they're in the lower 50% of the country. Oh, okay. And then we just go round and round and round. There's a new chocolate, apparently. This is pretty crazy. Rose chocolate. They invented a new type of chocolate. Ruby or Rose. Wait a minute. Is it Ruby or Rose? Now I can't remember. Uh, Ruby. Sorry. Why did I write down Rose. It's ruby chocolate. It's pink though. It's like a it's like a rose colored chocolate. It looks it looks like strawberry chocolate, but apparently it's a new kind of chocolate. Anyway, uh, coming to a store near you, I'm sure. But it's the first new kind of chocolate in 80 years since they made white chocolate, which I was kind of like amazing to me. Like, what do you mean? That's the first time they haven't done anything different in terms of making it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I guess you know. Anyway, I believe what I, le- I read online. What can I tell you? Coconut. Yeah, very good. Coconut. Coconut.
so this was crazy. This this woman put harmful advice online where she said during a hurricane you can use this battery to charge your phone. You just have to plug it in this way and. And then this engineer, basically a guy who probably works with phones and things like that, batteries maybe, says, no, you shouldn't do that. That's actually reversing the charge and you're going to fuck your phone up. And uh, she accused him of mansplaining. She said, oh, thank you for mansplaining this. You know. It's like, what if that guy, what if that woman had been like, you know, dancing outside during the hurricane and got struck by a bolt of lightning, and then as she was like clinging to life, she said, why didn't you tell me it was lightning? Oh, well, I didn't want to mansplain. I didn't want to mansplain things. Or, you know, she's walking, and uh, this is about to get really dark, but what can I say? Um, she's walking and a bus comes through and hits her and as she's clinging to the leg why didn't you tell me the bus was coming I didn't want to mansplain things I didn't want to mansplain things oh I just burned my tongue why didn't you tell me this coffee was hot I didn't want to mansplain things I didn't want to mansplain things uh, I'm pretty stunned by this as I was reading so this, there's this you know those those list websites they just pop up out of nowhere like I'll read this list read this list but um there was one that said the top 10 most controversial movies or top 10 banned movies and one of them is this movie which I've actually read about before there's actually a couple on there that I've read about before Pink Flamingos which is fucking weird as shit and I would never see it in my life just just reading the the plot and the breakdown is unsettling to me and you know not cuz it's got Whatever, not because it's got any, uh, you know, it's got like a drag queen in it. You know, the, the director's gay. Not not because of that, because there's like some awful like scatological shit. And oh my god, it's just so. Just reading the plot is awful. Pink flamingos is the name of it. And then um, there's this other one. Oh, now I can't think of it. Oh, uh, cannibalism or cannibal holocaust. Cannibal holocaust, and it's about these, you know, like fucked up creepy um, South American tribes and this really awful uh, film crew that went down there and did some awful things raped a woman and all this kind of thing and um, it's like really realistic violence and all this kind of thing and it made me think of how I was so completely stunned to read this story in The Sun the, you know, the, the UK paper their website The Sun um that there's an Am- there are Amazon tribes, right? In South America, Amazon tribes, like the, the things in fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, the things. That's, wow. Nice, James. The, <laughs> the, the people in Raiders of the Lost Ark that were the native tribe in uh, chasing down Indiana Jones and, and, his, and his team, uh, those tribes still exist. In the Amazon. Can you believe that shit? Did you know that? I mean, I was, like, absolutely blown away. And apparently they killed um, gold miners in Brazil recently. And then there's all kinds of stories of, you know, the people that go out into the jungle or whatever um, getting killed by gold miners, too. You know, they, they they kill the natives and vice versa. I mean, I was looking at these pictures. I couldn't believe it. 2014. These people are completely, you know, they're they're naked. They have uh, paint on their face. And they have, you know, fishing 
Spears. I was absolutely amazed to find out that this is a thing. Absolutely amazed. Um, yeah, so, anyway. Alright, moving on. What do we got? Oh, so this was just such a, a flipping out radio story that I had to read it. So obviously we broadcast most of the time from Montclair, New Jersey. I'm actually in Lyndhurst right now. But a Montclair man has been arrested for attempting to rob someone, chasing him into a Domino's pizza, and we love Domino's, and later spitting on police officers. Jason Jehoshaphat, age 27, was charged with robbery, criminal mischief, and aggravated assault on a police officer. So, anyway, just the fact that the guy's name was Jason Jehoshaphat, and that he robbed somebody and chased them into the Domino's, and he's from Montclair, that's a story that's getting mentioned on Flipping Out Radio. Uh, Alright, that's pretty much it. I'm pretty excited for the new Curb Your Enthusiasm season. Very excited, as a matter of fact. And that'll be coming up on October 1st. So, I don't know, maybe we'll get another podcast before that turns on. But, uh, you know, the, the greater chances that I'll have a chance to uh, review the Curb Your Enthusiasm opening episode the next time I do a show. So, anyway, get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter, at Jamadrop, J-A-M-A-D-R-O-P. We also have a Facebook page. That's Facebook Flippin' Out Radio, produced by Radio Misfits and Flippin' Out Radio. And, of course, check us out, radiomisfits.com. And thanks to Ed Silha. Thanks to everybody who listens, as as always, Rob, uh, John of Sweden. You guys are great. Uh, anybody else want to get in touch with me, flippinoutradio at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys the next time we do an episode of the most American podcast ever created. Heavens now, heaven. The presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Oh, here's your blessing. The most American podcast ever created. What if that woman had been, like, you know, dancing outside during the hurricane and got struck by a bolt of lightning, and then as she was, like, clinging to life, she said, Why didn't you tell me it was lightning? Oh, well, I didn't want to mansplain. I didn't want to mansplain things. Or she's walking and a bus comes through and hits her, and as she's clinging to life, Why didn't you tell me the bus was coming? I didn't want to mansplain things. I didn't want to mansplain things. Oh, I just burned my tongue. Why didn't you tell me this coffee was hot? I didn't want to mansplain things. I didn't want to mansplain things. Very good! This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you.